Hi, my name is Bubblegum Zombie Hunter. I am player three of Land Party. And Land Party is a podcast that talks about all things nerd culture. You can find us on all platforms, including YouTube, Spotify, and SoundCloud. And we tend to talk about things such as comics, video games, anime, and um, manga. And I'm Destiny Senpai. I host a anime podcast that goes over anime news and topics, and it's all topped with some black girl magic. You can follow me on all platforms at Getting Animated. And this is powered by Quirktastic. Listen! So we have a very special guest. We have Amanda C. Miller. And Amanda will let our listeners know a little bit about yourselves. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Um, I am a a voice actress. I'm a writer. Uh, You might know me as Sailor Jupiter in Sailor Moon Crystal and the Viz Media redub of the classic series. I'm also the voice of Boruto Uzumaki, who's Naruto's son in uh, Boruto Naruto Next Generations. I'm uh, Junko Enoshima and Toko Fukawa in the Danganronpa video game series. And uh, most recently, I was Flutterina in the She-Ra reboot on Netflix. So, yeah, those are just a couple, but that's a little bit about me. That's really dope. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We are really excited to have you on. Um, So tell us, how did you get into voice acting? Like, we always see voice actors and we always wonder like how did they wake up one morning and be like, okay, this is my profession. (laughs) Like this is what I want to do. Well, I don't know. Like when I was a kid, I always wanted to perform and I would like put on these little performances for my parents, but I would be like, I'm going to perform, but don't look at me. And they were always like, yeah, that's, that's not going to work. Cause how are you going to be a performer? Nobody looks at you. So I kind of figured it out. But, um, I would watch cartoons all the time and I'd start to recognize like, Oh, Chucky sounds like Dexter on Dexter's laboratory. And so I started noticing in the credits and I'd start like matching people. So I kind of knew it was a job, but I didn't know that that's what I would go into uh, until let's see, I did. I was a theater major, did theater in high school. And then in college, I got a, a scholarship for it. And I thought I was going to go to Broadway and be like, I'm going to go to New York and be a serious theater actor. And then, uh, there was a workshop that um, Tony Oliver does where he does like you get to kind of do some video game recording and some anime dubbing. And I got to try that out. and I really enjoyed it. And he told me, he's like, you, you have a future in this business. So um, that was he came to Maryland. So that's where I was going to college was University of Maryland. So that kind of changed my plans because I'm like, where do you where do you do this? And I found out that that's mainly in L.A., a little bit in Dallas. because They have Funimation there. Um so I decided after I graduated college, I would move out to LA. I did an internship at a voiceover studio and, you know, I cleaned sinks and dishes and got coffee for people. But I told them, I'm like, I'm, I'm an actor. So they would like throw me a bone and like, let me have, um, you know, like little incidental parts where I was like little boy, number seven in the background, or I would be, um, in a Wallace session, which is basically like extras in voiceover like you're in the crowd and you're just like improvising like Tommy don't run over there or you know like it's like the the not glamorous stuff Uh, and then eventually they're like okay she doesn't suck so they started trusting me with more and more um lines until eventually I got to audition for actual parts and then I started booking those parts and then eventually after three years I got an agent so it kind of just over time it's not the sexiest story but basically 
time and perseverance and getting a lot of people coffee. Actually, that is really cool. Thanks. Yeah, no, like I can't imagine starting from like the bottom. Yeah. And then like working your way up and now like look at you, you're like in people's homes as someone they're like, oh my God, I love you so much. And like you like making people's childhood, like that's really dope. I mean, they're not as excited when like I'm in their homes, like in the bushes with my binoculars, but I think they'll get over it, you know? <laughs> oh my. <laughs> you know, it's a personal preference. I get it, but like, I'm a pretty cool stalker. Like, you want me in your bushes at your house at four in the morning. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask, as a voice actor, do you have an integral part in understanding the storyline and the plot? Or do you simply read your lines and watch it come together when you view the final product? So they do, um, for dubbing, you it depends on the medium because for like animation and video games, you tend to be the first part of the process. Like you record your lines and then they animate to you. So you're not usually getting all the context there. Like it's the director's job to tell you like, okay, so in this scene we're envisioning that they're probably going to be running over hot coals and then they're going to jump and they're going to climb a bunch of tree branches. So you're kind of having to create that world without seeing it. And then, you know, two years later when it finally comes out, like, you know, Shira just came out, but we recorded that like, you know, what, two years ago. So when you're recording it, you're not seeing any of that. So I got to watch it and it was so fun to be like, Oh, that's what they meant. Or, um, but for anime, you do get to see previews of the clips you're about to dub, but you only get to see like the line before and the line after. Sometimes the director will play the whole scene. So you can kind of see where your arc is. But usually you don't get too much context. So it's at the discretion of the director if they want to tell you what happens in the whole episode. Sometimes they don't tell you because they want to surprise you and they want to see what you do in the moment. Like, oh, we didn't tell you that your mother's about to die in this scene because they want to see if they can get a real reaction out of you. Um, so that, that all kind of varies. But like, yeah, you read your lines, and but you try, you try to bring as much life to it. Like it's not just reading them, but um, yeah. And then some shows, the director is like, I don't know what the show is. I was just hired for today. Let's just do it. So the, those are never as fun. That's crazy. It's a lot of cold reading. <laughs> oh, wow. Because it's kind of like, I envisioned um, like acting for animation as something very different than acting for a live action sequence. But a lot of things seems, certain things seem similar, like from the way, like you started from the bottom and from the way that you're given direction or the way that you have to um, improvise on certain types of emotion. Like there's some similarity. Larities, that's what I'm saying that I didn't expect yeah I, I would say like and this is a misconception a lot of people have about voiceover because they're like oh I want to be a voice actor because that seems really easy and I can do crazy voices but I actually think having done theater having done on camera uh you know I'm doing on camera now and you know trying to audition for tv stuff and I, I they're, they're they're all challenging in their own way they're all fun in their own way but I think voiceover requires the most imagination and the most suspension of disbelief because at least when you're on set or you're, you know, in a play for the most part, unless it's like a really sparse production, you have like a set, you have costumes, you have other actors, you have props. You can, you know, it's different if you can feel the item in your hand or feel the texture of your clothes or see the eyes of the other actor and get that energy. Whereas voiceover, you are in a booth by yourself 90% of the time and you have to create this entire world. You have to envision these other characters that aren't there. 
You have to envision that there's a volcano erupting five feet from you and you're running like it almost like you're carrying the whole production. You are the entire movie set movie crew in your head. So I, that is definitely a big difference. challenging. Yeah. And I feel like when you watch certain scenes based on the way that a character, like so the voice actor says something can really change the tone of the mood of the entire scene and like how it's going. So I feel like mm-hmm. that's so important to have that voice. Like you have to be sad. Like if it's a sad scene, it has to sound sad. Like you can't even sound like, you know, like I don't want to say like half-assing it, but I feel like watching a live action person, like they can fake their way through crying, you know what I mean? Through their facial emotion. Right. And facial emotion. Yeah. But I feel like hearing it yeah. is a whole different level <laughs> it's the mic i think the mic is really good at uh picking up bullshit so like you're you know on camera there's a lot of times where people who are on camera a lot of them aren't necessarily actors like they might have been models and they just look really pretty and they're really good at looking stoic and you can kind of you know you get the combination of you you see their physical stance you see their face you see you hear their voice so you can kind of be like yeah sure i believe that they're sad Whereas like that actor might not be thinking anything in their head, but like you're, you can project those things onto them. Whereas if you just hear somebody's voice, you can kind of tell when they're faking it. So I, you definitely have to like, you can't phone it in because the mic will pick that up and uh, it does not like that. Exactly. So I just had to ask, so what would you say, who would you say is the hardest character you've ever played and why? <laughs> well, mm, I mean, there's definitely characters that are more challenging because they're very different from me. Like you get into acting to play people who are different, but at the same time, there's certain things. And it's, it's, I think the characters that are hardest to play tend to be parts of you that you are ashamed of. It's not that you don't have those qualities. It's that there are qualities that you have a judgment about. So I tend to have a hard time playing characters that are like a victim or passive or scared which is ironic because I've struggled with anxiety and I've struggled with depression and I've struggled with, you know, feeling out of control in my life. So I bet you yeah. probably that reason and not so much that it's like, Oh, I, I can't identify. It's more that I don't want to identify probably. So that's been a, a challenge for me, but also it's been hard for me to play characters, uh, that, <laughs> so Hollywood has learned not to say urban as much anymore. Cause they know that that's like coded, but like, I have time to like, can you sound more sassy? And I'll give them, you know, like I'll give them my version of sassy, which sounds even more like a Valley girl. And I'm like, you know, you know, new at Coles. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so and I, they, one time they, for a commercial, they were like, okay, so once we originally envisioned like Queen Latifah would, would voice this part. <laughs> and I'm like, me like do you hear me like I sound like I'm as I'm as urban as like a pumpkin spice latte like I if you want that I'm not the best person to give you that you know so I had that once recently and that was actually probably the hardest session I ever did not because the character itself because it was like a 80 year old white guy mansplaining to me about how to sound blacker basically like I called I was like he's like can you Oh God, it was so bad. <laughs> he's like, he's like, you know what? You gotta, you gotta shoot from the hip. You know what I'm saying, sister girl? Wait, wait for real? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, 
I, I am not the authority on how to sound quote unquote urban or whatever, but like, I'm pretty sure you are not either. Like if anybody's telling me how to be it, it's not an 80 year old white guy. So I don't know. Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> that is so interesting. Cause you hear stories like at all the time, but when you're not a part of that world, I low key feel like it's easy to dismiss. It doesn't happen super frequently. I think people are getting better about being a little bit more like, you know, culturally literate, but then you still have some Hollywood dinosaurs. And again, they're not trying to be. Of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they just don't realize that it's probably not okay to like put your hands on your hip and swivel your head and call somebody like, you know, I'm saying sister girl. <laughs> oh my goodness. Wait, it, that happened word for word. Yes. And it was not just that, like it was the whole session. He was, he was like trying to explain to me basically how to do voiceover. So it was really insulting because that's like, I've been doing this eight years. Don't ex- like, he, he talked to me like I didn't know what I was doing. He ta- you know, and also sometimes you'll audition and then they'll have, they'll change it up in the booth. And sometimes, you know, I can do it. But that time they, they were like, yeah, yeah, we loved your audition, but we want you to sound way more like this. And I'm like, I don't feel like I can do this justice. And so it's just, that was probably a, that was a particularly hard one. And that actually was animation. So that was, that was kind of- what is the easiest character you've ever played and why? And going based, going based on like what you said, it must be like the, the character that's most like you. Right, I would feel like, or 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 qualities you wanna emulate or you like to emulate. Like maybe if you want to be a badass, you're like exactly. That's exactly it. It's characters that I am aspire to be. I think like you've you've nailed it because like I tend to play a lot of characters that are like strong, spunky, confident. You know all these things, and like those are definitely things I want to be. So it's way easier to play these aspirational characters. And I think people think I present that in my life, but they don't realize that deep down it's like, ah, you know, like, wait, I don't know what ah means. <laughs> can you explain that? <laughs> you can take that many ways. <laughs> That's true. You can't see my like face and my expressions. Uh, uh, basically, ah is like the inner chaos, like of like uh, that, that voice in your head. That's like, you know, Oh my God, I can't believe you said that to that guy. Why, why would you say that? He probably thinks you're an idiot. Well, of course, everybody thinks you're an idiot because you are an idiot. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. Like that that whole thing. Whereas on the outside, you're like, eh. Like, you know, like projecting, you know, you're performing. Um, so those characters are definitely easier. Um, although I do think I'm, I'm growing into that and actually becoming that person who is that confident. So maybe the aspirational was like, maybe that was like me knowing that that's who I am deep down and having to like, do a lot of therapy to get there do you ever do you ever like find yourself at like in character when you go places like like for some like sometimes when I'm doing like an interview or something or like I have to do something for a con or I have to go on stage like I'll like psych myself up like do you ever like psych yourself up but like in character so you're just like I'm this person right now and I have to like (laughs) put myself out there like that like my own Sasha Fierce. Yeah. Um, not exactly in that way, because I actually feel like I'm pretty comfortable with crowds. But I will say that look, with Boruto, um, he's been slipping into my life a lot. And I think part of it's because 
it's weird. I think Borta is probably closer to my natural voice than any of my female characters. Because <laughs> um, with my female characters, I tend to have to be like a little bit more like in the like mask area where you're like, hey, I'm up here and it's a little brighter. And I'm like, you know, like, and that's, whereas Borto's like more down here. And he's just like, you know, my dad's lame, you know? And like, he, <laughs> he slips into my life because when I use my stupid voice, which is kind of when I'm making fun of somebody, it sounds just like Borto. <laughs> So like, you know, I'll be, you know, I tend to, I'm, I'm that annoying person who, when somebody says like, oh, well I gotta go to the bank. And I'm like, your mom's gotta go to the bank. <laughs> <laughs> like my, my, I'm making fun of you voice tends to sound like Boruto. So I'm noticing lately, like when I'm, or when I'm interacting with Miley, who's the voice of Naruto, <laughs> the number of times where I'm like, I'm like, you suck. <laughs> She's like, oh, that sounds just like Boruto. Shut up. <laughs> um, so that, that's been kind of funny to realize like, oh, he is a part of me, but he's like the. The snotty kid part of me. Oh my God. Has anybody ever recognized you just based off your voice? Has that happened? No, because nobody watches Boruto. Just kidding. Um, oh my goodness. <laughs> According to people at cons, they'll be like, well, I, I like your work. Actually, I've never seen Boruto. But <laughs> so, so if I go by that, then I'm like, well, apparently two people have seen it, but I'm sure more than that. But, um, not yet, but I think, you know, Borto also has not been out. Like, it's on Toonami, but nobody has cable. So I think once it comes out on, like, maybe Netflix and has been out for a couple of years, people might notice it. I do know that people will say, like, oh, I was watching She-Ra, and I thought she kind of sounded like Junko. So I've had that happen, but never, like, in public, like, in the wild. Oh, like, you're just like, hey, here's, like, a dollar, and then someone's like, oh, my God, I know that voice. Yeah, not not yet. Although, and this is not voice, but I was recognized last week uh, from a dating app, which is awkward. <laughs> Some guy came up to me, and he's like, hey, are you on Hinge? And I was like, oh, yeah. Because I, like, reluctantly signed up for it, and he's like okay, yeah, because we were debating. And I was like, oh, God, like, his whole group of friends over there were like, she looks familiar. And I'm like, oh, one." Oh no! <laughs> so I have no anonymity, I guess. Oh no! <laughs> so I have to ask the hardest question uh, in the whole okay. interview. Uh, what is your favorite anime? Hmm, I'm trying to think of like of all time, or because mm, I've had like different phases. So it's like, of course, you know, Sailor Moon has a special place in my heart because I grew up watching it and it was like my first kind of introduction my gateway drug into anime so that one holds a special place in my heart but I really I don't want to be a basic bitch but I feel like Cowboy Bebop is like perfect wow that doesn't make you a basic bitch but I feel like that's easy to say like everybody's like oh Cowboy Bebop's a masterpiece because it's a masterpiece it is what it is call it how you see it I'll, I'll throw out a couple. So there's basically, like, I love Cabo Bebop. Um, there was uh, one called Paranoia Agent, which was like Satoshi Khan, I believe. And he, it was like a psychological thriller. There's like 13 episodes and it was incredible. So if you like that kind of thing, I would check that out. And then I'm a little biased because I uh, wrote the English dub script for it. But uh, Cannon Busters is pretty darn good. <laughs> And it's on Netflix right now. And it's like a space Western uh, written by LaShawn Thomas. 
who was like one of the animators on the boondocks. And so I would check that one out because it's incredible. Did you say that you were, you helped to create Cannon Busters? No, 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 no. Uh, I, no, no, it's, it's a weird process. So Cannon Busters is a show that was created by LaShawn Thomas, who was an animator on the boondocks. And he kickstarted it and made the pilot a couple years back. And then I guess Netflix picked up the pilot. And so they wrote all the scripts in English, like a, um, I guess a filmmaker or screenwriter wrote the dialogue and then they sent that over to Japan or I guess Korea or wherever they animated it. Um, cause a lot of anime is animated in Korea now, but they, um, they animated it and made it into a Japanese language anime over there based off of the English scripts. And then we, when we, when you dub it into English, you have to have somebody who writes the adaptation. So I wrote the English adaptation when it went from Japanese to English. So they give you like an English translation of the Japanese. And then, um, and then I, my job is to like make it funny, make it fit the mouth flaps and the timing and sound natural. And if something didn't quite work, um, you know, whether it's a joke or there's certain moments that might not have made sense when you translated it. And like, my job is to make it flow and be funny and keep that, that vibe. So that was my job on that. And that's kind of what I do as my part-time thing is I write ADR scripts for wow, the English language dubs so of Netflix exciting. shows, including live action. I had no idea. Have you, have you watched Cannon Busters? I have, although I don't think I've actually seen all the dub myself. I'm like, I wrote it and then I haven't had time to, I've been doing a lot of conventions the past couple months. I've had a convention every weekend. So I'm like, wow, that's a lot of traveling. Yeah. Like this past week I was, it was like, what was it? I was Minneapolis the weekend before. And then I flew from, cause I live in Atlanta now. So I was in, I flew from Atlanta to Minneapolis, then did the con and flew from Minneapolis to LA and did a bunch of recording for Borto and some other shows I'm on. And then I went from LA to New York and did uh, anime NYC. And now I just flew back last night to Atlanta. So Ooh, speaking, Oh, you mentioned earlier, um, we were talking about anime. So speaking about anime, what is your most favorite and least favorite thing about Sailor Jupiter? My most favorite thing would be the fact that she taught me, I don't know if it's, I guess maybe gender fluidity or something, but like basically she taught me that you can be masculine, quote unquote, and like be, you know, like sports and like, cause I played hockey and I played soccer and I was like the tallest girl in my class. And I was always made fun for, uh, for being a tomboy, but I also liked Disney princesses and like glitter. And I wanted, you know, like I wanted love. And so she showed me that you can have that duality and you don't have to pick or, or, you know, and it's not black and white. So she showed me that you can be a whole person and throw grown men over your head and then bake them a cake. My favorite thing is that she, you know, she, she was the first role model I had to show that like, you don't, you're, it's not just tomboys and girly girls, you know, which is what, you know, as a elementary school kid, people want you to believe. Um, least favorite thing I mean, I feel bad because I was this way for a long time too, but she seems like she needs to find her validation in a man, which again, she's like 14. So like what 14 year old isn't like a little bit like, oh my gosh, I want people to love me. Yeah. So it's like, I don't want to say like, oh, this is like a chronic character flaw. I'm sure she'll grow out of it. Although I don't know. I have friends who haven't. So I, I kind of wish she would like go to a therapist and, and like, you know, cause I had to, and, and you learn to like, stop obsessing over people who don't want you. Cause that is oh my God. why, why, why give your time and attention to somebody who obviously doesn't like you enough to stay? 
So your ex-boyfriend, sorry, honey. He did not. He was not that into you. As Lizzo said very eloquently, if he don't love you anymore, then walk <laughs> your finest out the door. <laughs> yes. Like, I've been definitely, again, basic bitch, but I've been going on like a Lizzo kick lately, you know, like soulmate and all that stuff. And I'm, like, I'm my own soulmate. Oh, gosh. No, I haven't listened to the whole album, but now you've inspired me to because she's fire. That was a great one. It's, uh, uh yeah i think the i think it's called soulmate that song but like it's it's fun and she's just basically like i am my own basically like, i am the one empowerment femininity yep <laughs> um i wanted to ask about i wanted to go back to sailor moon again i actually coming into this didn't know that sailor moon was your favorite anime growing up how did it feel voicing not only an iconic character or a character from an iconic anime but a character from one of your favorite iconic animes can you tell me everything about that oh it was you know like I had dealt with like severe depression in like my 20s and I kind of had this I got stuck in this rut and I was just like nothing life has no surprises nothing's ever gonna get better blah 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 and there's a lot of factors that like led into it it's more than just like oh I was sad but it was like 20. 13 when I had a really dark time. Um, and I was, and I remember like I survived an attempt and it was, sorry, I'm just being really vulnerable here. Cause I feel like, it's, no, it's okay. I feel like it's important for people to know that like everybody, you know, deals with mental health stuff and there's no shame in it. But, um, I had had like a suicide attempt on my, near my 26th birthday. I can't quite remember, but like, Oh my God. And I, I survived it. And then after that, I kind of, I went to visit, my grandparents in Europe. And that was really healing to be reminded that like people, people love me. And like, also when you travel, there's something that reminds you of how expansive the world is. Like if you feel stuck, you know, just be reminded that there's so many opportunities out there. And I remember flying back from France feeling, uh, cause my mom's from France um, and feeling like something was about to come and that I should, I needed to stick around for that. And like a month or two later, I got the audition for Sailor Moon. And I remember being like, what? Because I didn't know that they were going to be redubbing it, let alone, I had heard Crystal was coming out, but I heard they were going to be doing that in Dallas at Funimation. Like I'd heard, I didn't understand why I was getting this audition. And like, I wasn't even that big in anime at that time. I had done some smaller parts, but I, I didn't know why I was on the casting director's list, but I'm so glad I was because uh, I auditioned for all five girls. So I was like, um, and then also Luna and Queen Beryl. And I, I just remember being like, it's so surreal because I'm like, wait, what? And so I sent the auditions in and I for, forgot about it because I'm like, I'm not getting that. Like, I, that'd be nice. It was nice to audition, but I'm not going to get that part. And if I do get in the show, I'm going to be like, you know, the tennis shoe monster. I'm not going to be my favorite character. Like the odds of that are insane. And then two months. And Sailor Jupiter is your favorite. She character? was my favorite character. Like in fifth grade. That was like when Toonami kind of was big and me and my friend Alicia and my friend Luce, like Luce was Sailor Mars, Alicia was Sailor, um, Sailor Moon. And then we didn't really have the other ones, um, but like the three of us were like hardcore into Sailor Moon and Sailor Jupiter was my favorite because I was the tall girl in fifth grade. I played sports. I was the new girl at school because my dad was in the Air Force. So we were always moving. Um, yeah. So in my backyard, I'm like running around being like, Jupiter, Thunder, Crash. So I guess I was preparing for this role my whole life. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so like auditioning was surreal. 
And then I got like an email from the casting director that was really cryptic, like two months after audition. He's like, hey, so if there was an announcement of some sort at, at Anime Expo this year, would you be available? And I was like, uh, yes, if there was an announcement of something, I could be available. He's like, great. Stay tuned. And then he like disappeared again for like another month. I'm like, what is happening? No, literally just like that. Stay tuned. He's like, cool. Stay tuned. And it may not have been a month. So he disappeared. He disappeared. And then I think two weeks later, he was like, congratulations, you've been cast in Sailor Moon. And then he kind of gave me the rundown of how they were going to announce the cast at Anime Expo. They were going to announce the fact that they were redubbing it, the, the, the fact that they were going to be doing Sailor Moon Crystal. Like it was going to be a big reveal. And I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I'm in Sailor Moon. I'm in Sailor Moon. But then I, I didn't know who I was because he didn't tell me. So then I'm like, wait. Who am I? Am I, am I like, am I the cat? Am I, am I, <laughs> you know, like I didn't know what was happening. And I was like, there's no way I'm Sailor Jupiter. Cause like the odds of getting into the show, let alone being my favorite character, not going to happen. And so then like, I think he said something about like, oh, okay. You know what it was? We were supposed to start recording in like April and then like April came and went. And I was like, uh, I haven't heard anything. So I'm like, I've been, ca- I've been, re- I've been fired. I don't know what's happening. And then, uh, and then, uh, eventually I emailed him being like, Hey, do you still need me? And he's like, Oh, sorry. Your sa- your character, Sailor Jupiter doesn't come in until episode 25. And I like lost my mind. Wow. You know, like what are the, did you scream? I, well, I was in a voiceover class at the time, so I couldn't because somebody else was recording something. But I definitely was just like, I kept looking at my phone like, this is this is a dream. This doesn't happen. Like, millions of girls watched Sailor Moon growing up. Millions of people probably would love to have played that part. Why did I get that that part? Like, I could have been Molly or, or I guess Naru now. You know, like, I'm like, I, I'm like, I could have been close, but not quite have gotten it. But I guess it was like, I don't know, that, that experience showed me that like miracles can happen and screw the odds. Cause, yeah, and it gets better. Yeah, and I know it sounds. I I can understand if it sounds ridiculously um, cliche, but God forbid you succeeded, you wouldn't be where you are today. You wouldn't have the success you have, which is quite a success, you know. Yeah, I've also struggled with mental health issues, and I just remember it. I think it was like the other day. It was like you know awareness and stuff like that, and I remember um, I was just like. Where I was 10 years ago versus where I am now is so different and like my ideas and it's just one of those things where it's like I'm really happy I stuck around to see what was going on. Yeah, like it 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 was kind of one of those things where it's like just hold on a little longer and see that life can be I mean, you know, I also had to do lots of therapy and I had to you know, like do all this other stuff. It wasn't just like, oh, Sailor Moon saved me, but it showed me, you know, I, I guess I keep saying miracles, but it's like the, the odds. Hold on. Who cares about odds? Because life has been surprising me constantly and consistently. And like anytime I have a plan of like, well, this is probably the best life can be. It always is like, nah, nah, bro, I got you. Like, so I guess that's my advice to anybody who's like, no, nothing's going to get better. It can get better and it will surprise you and delight you you just have to be here for it I remember one of the biggest things like my therapist would yeah. tell me is she's like you know write your life expenses like look write down how long you think you'd be alive for and I'd write it down and then she's like okay so look at your age right now and then look at the gap in all the years that 
you have left to experience. And she was just like, you never know what could happen in that time. And like, ever since that kind of, I think about that a lot. Cause especially, you know, now that I'm older, I'm like, well, you know, like I have my great dog and I got to do this and I got to do that. And it's just like those little things that eventually end up building up and you're just like, Oh wow. I'm really happy. I stuck around for all this stuff. Yeah. Like it's so sad. Cause like, and you know, the number of people, uh, didn't they like interview people who survived, jumping off the golden gate bridge and like mm-hmm. every single one of them said the moment they let go they regretted it like they were like they were like i i thought i wanted to die but i guess i didn't and then like they i read something recently that was like don't make long-term or permanent decisions based off a of short-term emotion or a temporary emotion mm-hmm. and that was a big thing for me because there are times where i just felt so myopic and so like every day felt like overwhelming um, my emotions, like I was just constantly crying, constantly feeling sad, constantly feeling isolated, but like that feeling will not be forever, especially if you do get, um, you know, the proper treatment. So exactly, exactly. Um, so, oh, you can go ahead, Imani, cause I know you really excited for this question. No, not even though <laughs> I wanted to say Sailor Moon wasn't the only magical and anim- magical girl anime you were in. I also saw you were in Parella Magi and Magical Madoka. So we, <laughs> so we wanted to know if you were a magical girl, what type of powers would you have? I thought about this before, but like, there's like the cool powers that probably wouldn't be practical, but then there's the practical powers I probably would end up going with. Cause I'm like, you know, now I'm in my thirties. So like beforehand, I probably would have been like, I want to be able to, I mean, you know, electricity would be cool, but I feel like I would probably end up electrocuting myself. So that's probably not good for the me. The wisest thing. <laughs> yeah. Like I didn't like, mm, I probably, and I also have a bad enough time with electronics that like literally like I'll talk about, I was holding a, a, a hard drive in my hand once. And I was like, I was telling my friend, I'm like, yeah, my whole movie that I shot is on here. If this just, if this broke, I don't know what I would do. And I literally heard it go, and it just, it broke. Like it just, I, I'm cursed. So I would not do electronics or uh, electricity. Uh, Cause I'm already cursed by somebody uh, in that regard. <laughs> I was saying something recently. What was it? It was a very practical superpower that I would very much enjoy having. I think it probably was something to do with like, uh, either tele, not teleportation, but I think it was like a shadow clone jutsu thing where you can like clone yourself and then be in a bunch of different places. Uh, or I would want, or like short term psychic powers. Like I don't want to know what's going to happen in 10 years. Cause then I get very, I'm very much like a destiny person and I get really hung up. Like if a psychic tells me like, you're going to meet a guy with blue eyes, then I don't, then I'll disregard anybody with green or brown eyes. So I'm like, I, that stuff's not good for me. I don't need to know what, but like, I'd like to know like what's going to happen in like the next five to 10 minutes. Ooh, yeah. That's a good one. That's practical. Yeah. It would help you like, you know, in traffic, you can kind of be like, Oh, there's an accident in the right lane in a couple miles. So I'm going to get in the left lane. Like, but it's not so much to tell you that like in 10 years you'll get hit by a drunk driver. Like I don't need to know that stuff. Um, Yeah. You know, when I was younger, I used to want, like you said, the cool powers, whether it be firepower. I think firepower was always a thing. Controlling water would be really cool. Yeah. But now as I, 
as I like get older, and this is like the most boring power in the world. I've always been this interested in. I'm even this interested in it now. But super <laughs> speed and teleportation. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my that's god. That's your thing. Yeah, that's like I. I think it's just the most practical thing. I remember um talking to a friend from college a while back, and she was like, "Oh, if I had a power, no doubt teleportation. Can you imagine how much time?" we could save and we could just teleport to someplace instantly. So yeah. And then every, every time I'm late, like, I don't know if you're a super into comics or if you know who Barry Allen is, I'm sure you know who the flash is. Like yeah. every time I'm running late, whether it's for like school or work, I'm always just like, why can't I be the flash? Why can't I be the flash? Why? <laughs> so I feel you there. I was saying teleportation might be better. Cause have you seen the boys on uh, Amazon prime? No, not yet, but everyone talks so well it's about it. Really good. It's really, it's a little gory, but like it's very funny, very dark. And basically, there's a character on there who like has like flash like speeds, and he like runs through somebody and kills them on accident. Jesus. So, but yeah, he like, he, like teleport to somebody and kill them. That's true. You could teleport and like have your limbs like sticking through them. So like that could be. It's problematic. I'm pretty sure that's like a SpongeBob episode when they like teleported together. But um, I I've thought about this for a very long time, and I've decided that my superpower would be like I could eat whatever I want and not gain like a single pound. And oh, yeah. and yeah, health wise, like I could like I could eat maybe like ten thousand donuts, but then like not get diabetes or anything like that like no health repercussions like i'm fine i can just eat whatever i want because like i'm obsessed with sweets i have a really bad sweet tooth so i know for a fact (laughs) if i was able to have like the power to eat all of the sweets that i want without any repercussions i would just be the happiest person in the world oh i feel you yeah wait so would you would your body not absorb anything at all though because then you could die of malnutrition though so there's like a double-edged sword like your body wouldn't mm-hmm. absorb any of the things no 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 it's like i would just eat it i don't know like if it's that like i feel like when it gets to a certain point where it'd be dangerous then like my body wouldn't do it so like three so i could eat like three donuts and then like that's it and then anything that i eat after that is completely fine or maybe like two okay. You could turn it on and off. You could be like, okay, well, I'm eating a salad. This is fine, but I'm about to eat these donuts. Oh, these yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'll be higher, actually. Mm-hmm. I thought about that, too. Like, I've always been like, you know, if a genie gave me a wish, one of them would be, like, basically that I can eat as much as I want, like, and not get full. Because, you know, like, you know, sometimes my eyes is bigger than my stomach. But then in the back of my head, I always have this fear what if it's like this vampire? You know how like vampires' hungers are never satisfied. So I'm like always hungry. Imagine being ravished all the time. No matter how much you eat, you're never full, and you're not like, oh, I'm medium hungry. You're like, there's this burning hunger in my stomach, and I cannot, I can't dissipate it. No matter how much I eat, and I was just like, yeah. I feel like that's a scene Sorry. from a horror film. <laughs> like, I feel like you just can't stop eating, and then it turns out like all you want is people, and then it's just like you start eating people. That escalated quickly. That got dark. <laughs> Destiny, that got done. <laughs> Someone's been watching too much Tokyo Ghoul. What the hell? <laughs> I thought of another. I thought of another power. Actually, that would also be cool.
cool. And it's also a very like adulty kind of like practical power, the ability to like recharge in 30 minutes. So it's like you get a full night's sleep by just like closing your eyes and yes. like you're, you're just resting. Yes, so you can have more time to, say, to be productive. <laughs> I remember. I remember when I was in um, college, um, there was a movie long, long ago. I forgot the name. I forget who's in it. But I remember one of the guys had a power. If they touch a book, they absorb all the knowledge within the book. And I remember wishing so much. Yeah, when I was in college and I had to take tests, I had those powers. Imagine like having a physics test and you're just your hands just on the physics book and you like ace it with an A because you knew everything in the physics book. Sounds great. Okay, so we took a cool question and made it super adulty <laughs> and practical. And, um, <laughs> gosh, we are dope. <laughs> We're like, I'd be able to put coupons at the speed of light. <laughs> it's like, it's like firepower is cool, but what if you can get a full night's sleep in thirty minutes? <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> Firepower is cool, but you know if you burn your apartment down, you're not going to get your security deposit back. So, no, thank you. Voice the voice of Boruto, obviously. Um, I'm a huge Naruto fan. Um, I actually like just finished it when everybody else like I caught up when everybody else was finishing it, so I got to watch it with everybody. Um, are you a longtime mm. Naruto fan? So I watched it back when I was originally on Toonami uh, many moons ago. It was like, what, 2004 or something? And uh, I watched like the first probably 50 episodes. And I thought, man, I wa- I'm a Naruto fan. I've seen a lot. And then later, I like, I, you know, I wasn't able to keep up with it. I ended up going to college. And then later people were like, you know, there's like 700 episodes of that show. 760, I don't know. And I was like, oh, okay, 50 episodes is just dipping your toe in the water. So I have a lot to catch up on. I plan to because I like the series. Like what I saw. So. Oh, okay. So, what would what village would you say you'd like to be from? Mm, I don't know. I don't know if I'm like that good at it. I mean, I feel like Hidden Leaf is like a safe answer because then I'd be able to hang out with, with Naruto. Um, I don't know if this is in in Naruto or also in Boruto, but there's also like the Hidden Mist, or no. Yeah. So wait, or it might be like something. It's it's like the blood mist or something creepy. I don't. The blood. Yeah, I think that might be a butcher thing. I I don't know. I think there's a village hidden by the mist. There's that one. I think this one might be different. Actually, no. I why would I want to live in the blood mist? The the episodes basically are like they go on like a field trip, and then they're like, oh, don't go there because they used to murder people in their tuning exams or something like that, and then. yeah, I don't know why I said that. I guess it's just because, like, the characters there are cool. But, yeah, it's pretty murdery. So, never mind. I'd probably just stay with regular mist, regular water and stuff. <laughs> I need to be more with humidity is good for me because I have really dry skin and really dry hair. So, like, moving to Atlanta was, like, I've, like, de-aged by five years. So my skin's always hydrated. So, any, I, wouldn't li- I wouldn't live in the, hidden, in the sand. Nowhere dry definitely water i hate to personally admit that admit this sense. but i've just found out about the um magical benefits of shea butter so you know even though i'm still in the freezing cold yeah i used to just use oil like i used to be like an oil person i had to have like coconut oil or olive oil or jojoba oil but like it's been harsh 
up here, up, up in the north. Like, it's where do you, harsh. Where do you live? So, in the north. Um, yeah, okay, so yeah. I hope I'm not being dramatic. <laughs> I'm like up in the north. Like, I mean, like far, far up, but not New York City. <laughs> it gets cold oh, here, yeah. man. <laughs> I. No, yeah, I've, I was just telling Imani, like, I'm freezing to death, but I'm in Florida, so it's like 60 degrees. So, <laughs> and it's like, it's like 40 here, absolutely. I was just there this weekend, so yeah, it is definitely cold uh, in New York. Although, this is, I'm, I think I might have a glandular problem, I don't know, but like, I am always hot all the time. So even in New York, it was cold, but like, I liked it, like it was refreshing. And then inside the buildings, they would jack up the heat, and I hated it. I would much rather be cold than be hot, because I can always put on layers, but I can't take them off. And there's only, you know, you can only get yeah. so naked, and it's frowned oh. upon for me to be naked in public, so. So I want to know, how was the first, how was your first time meeting, like, the voice of naruto um she seems really really dope and i feel like meeting her would probably be nerve-wracking especially since like you've probably seen her before like on tv as naruto and now you're like oh hey i'm your son (laughs) it was uh it was we actually talked about this recently because she was telling me her experience because she had heard me a lot before she had seen me because she was recording boruto but she hadn't met me yet so she you know, had liked my work, but didn't know who I was. So one day at the studio, uh, Studiopolis, where we record, I ran into her and I overheard her talking about uh, conventions to somebody where she's like, yeah, you know, I've done a couple, but I'd like to do more, but I don't really know how to get into it. And so I kind of was like, Hey, I'm Amanda. Uh, I'm your son. And, uh, I, I could probably help you with that. Cause I had like a booking agent. So I, I hooked her up with my convention booking agent, but, um, you know, we, we met and I was like, I just want to let you know, like, I really respect your work. And I actually met you back at Otakon when I was a fan. Um, or, you know, I feel weird being like when I was a fan, because I was also, I was an actor, you know, like I, I was a theater major, but I also happened to like go to Otakon as a, as a attendee. Cause my boyfriend at the time got me to go and he's like, yeah, anime conventions are fun. I'm like, ugh, that's for nerds. You know, I wasn't. <laughs> Uh, and so like, we were, yeah, like I was like, I mean, I watch anime, but like, I'm cool. And so I went, and of course I was like, trying to be the hipster where I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm like, I'm so much cooler, but like I was inside, I was having a blast and I, um, went to her voiceover panel and I asked her the notorious question that everybody asks at every voiceover panel for the rest of time. Like I'm cursed because I asked that question to always be asked that question at every panel. But I was like, Hey, you know, how did you get into voiceover? And, you know, and she answered and then I asked her like another question I don't remember what it was but I just remember that that was technically the first time we met um but not really because you know I was one of a million people she probably met that show so it's just funny that years later I'm like yeah I actually did it I'm Boruto I'm your kid and I'm doing it so yeah that's so dope. That's like crazy. Cause it's, it's funny when I, cause I've met her a couple times at cons and it's just always like, Oh my God. And she's like really nice, but she, I feel like she's like, yeah, like I have no idea. What's up? <laughs> There's like a level of just like, yeah, show me all the love. Cause she's, she's been that voice for so long. And like, that's who, that, like whenever you think of Naruto, like that's the voice you hear. So I feel like that's, yeah, that, that's her voice. Like that's the crazy thing is like when you hear her talk, you definitely are like, oh my gosh, that's Naruto. 
Uh, so it's also really funny because like when we're, we've had like, like this month, we've been at every convention together. So it's literally like when we say goodbye, we're like, all right, see you in three days. <laughs> and then the next day. So, uh, and like when I was in LA this past week, I crashed at her house and it was just funny to be like eating dinner together. And she's like, She's like, why aren't you eating your food? I'm like, because I'm eating this. I'm eating my appetizer. She's like, well, eat your food. I'm like, I'm, like it's just funny that she's very much like, I'm like, okay, dad. You know, so we we joke around and like at the airport, I'll be like, dad, dad, hold on this guy. And then she's like, okay, son. You know, like, so people are looking at us like we're crazy. It's like two women being like identifying as father and son. Uh, so it's definitely funny to be like, man, you know what? 2008, I think it was, when I was at Otakon, <laughs> to now, like, you know, 11 years later, I'm crashing at her house. Or, like, you know, Stephanie Shea, like, I had heard her work, and then, like, we're, whenever I go to L.A., I would also crash at her house and use her toilet. It's <laughs> just, like, <laughs> weird. Yeah. Um, You played some very impactful characters in your life. Have you noticed any impact that you have had voicing these characters? And what would you say was the most memorable moment you've had experience voicing them inside and outside of the booth? That's a tougher one because you don't always really see the direct impact of a, how, you know, what a performance has on the audience with, voice, with voiceover. But hmm. I mean, with Sailor Moon, we've definitely had a lot of people come up to us and tell us like what the what the show meant to them. And, you know, part of that we share with the original cast because, you know, they were responsible for their childhoods. But then we also have people who are like, you know, in the Viz dub, the reason they redubbed it was they wanted, you know, Japan wanted an unedited version that was like truer to the original. So, you know, there were no cousins and all that stuff. And so we've had definitely fans who've come up and been like, thank you so much for having a version that represents us and doesn't, you know, straight wash up sensitize yeah so that show definitely i mean i I don't want i don't want to say like my character per se definitely like changed their life but like the show itself although some people have said they're like you know sailor jupiter really like the same thing i said it helped me be that awkward tall girl it helped me adjust to being at a new school or you know all that stuff so she's probably I'd say she's probably been the most impactful so far. Uh, are you a gamer? I saw you voiced a character from Fire Emblem. What is the difference between voicing for an anime and voicing for a game? So I unfortunately am not much of a gamer anymore. I played in high school, mainly because the guy I liked in high school was really into Halo and DDR. So I became like a master at DDR and like tried to become a master at Halo, but I still wasn't very good at it. And I don't think I've gotten anything beyond an Xbox 360. Like I still have my 360 and I have a Sega Genesis. So I will still still play my Sega Genesis actually more. I played my favorite game, which is like the Streets of Rage series. But, uh, very retro. It's really cool. Like that's, dope. It, that's really dope. It's a, that's why I'm like, I'm not a gamer, but like, you know, I still have my Genesis and then I get more cred back. But, uh, yeah. You definitely get your card handed right back to you. <laughs> I just don't have time, which is the ironic thing is like when you're actually working in video games and anime, you tend to not have any time to actually keep up with them. So, and they don't give you a copy of the games or the, sometimes for for Sailor Moon or Boruto, if they remember, they might send me a DVD, but for the most part, you kind of don't really fend for yourself. Yeah. Like, you know, and, I'm not going to buy a DS just to be able to play Fire Emblem. So there were times where I would watch like some playthroughs 
Uh, I did that for Danganronpa. Like I watched the playthrough of the first two games, I think, and maybe also just Spare Girls, but I haven't seen B3 yet. So I guess that's my way of trying to play them. But um, the difference between video games and anime, I would say there's a difference between video games, anime, and then JRPGs. Because, you know, JRPGs are video games, but they're similar to the way the anime process is. Oh, so Fire Emblem would fall under that category. And Duncan mm. Rampa, actually, no, Duncan Rampa was more of like, we got to record it more like an original video game, which is, well, I guess I'll lay out how like a, uh, like a normal video game is done. Uh, like if you're playing like a AAA title or like some sort of American made game, they tend to do the voiceover first, which is similar to original animation. And, you know, so you're, you're, they're like, Hey, here's all the groups of like, it depends on the game, but for the most time, a lot, a lot of games are not in context. So especially if it's open world, like, so I'm working on, you know, I was working on state of decay too. And, that one is open world. So you basically are recording a zillion different lines for any possible context. So sometimes you're recording a conversation and you'll record both sides because you, your character, depending on what the player chooses, you could be either one of those people. Um, or, you know, you might be, I don't know. It's it's just a lot of different variations. So they're like, okay, so this is the set, set of lines where you're, you've been bitten by a zombie and you're dying. This is the set of lines where you're the friend of the person who's been bitten by a zombie. This is the set of lines where you are saying we should kill the person who got bitten by the zombie. And then this is the set of lines where you're the person saying we should save them. Like, you know, they'll just do every possible scenario. So if the player chooses different things, you are covered for every single one. Um, So those tend to be a lot more sessions, a lot longer uh, and then you also have like all the effort noises where they'll have a section at the end. They usually mm-hmm. save it because it'll mess up your voice. So like the last hour is usually like, okay, so these are going to be your like small, medium and large scream efforts or like small, medium and large getting bit efforts. This is going to be your running sounds. This will be your getting punched sounds. These will be your, oh gosh, they always have getting lit on fire. Sound effect. Wait, what? Always? You're like, man, in every oh game? God. Yeah, I'm like, oh my god, I can't imagine like the sound I would make being on fire. <laughs> I that, That's what I'm talking about with that like whole imagination thing where they're like, okay, so now you're on fire. Ready? Go. You know, so when people say like, oh, I think I can do voiceover, it's like, do you, are you able to just like drop your dignity and just be like, sure, I'm willing to look stupid and just be like, blah, blah, you know, like, and just, just 100% commit on the spot. Cause it's a lot of improv, a lot of just like, sure. Yeah. I can sound like I'm on fire. I've never been on fire, but I can imagine. So do you get offended when people um, say things like that? Like I can do voiceover. It, I, I get a little offended, but it's, I understand usually they're not trying to, the implication is not like, oh, I can do it better than you. It's more that they don't realize what goes into it. And they're just like, oh, that seems fun. But it is a little patronizing to be like, this is something I've studied for. This is something I've done for like almost 10 years. I was a trained theater actor and I'm using those skills in my work. And it still can be challenging. So like for somebody to like be like, eh, I'm not trained. I don't really have any respect for the craft, but I can probably do what you do. It does get a little like, okay, dude. Sure. I, I remember I did a, a project or like it was like <laughs> something in college and it was like um 
explaining like voice actors and I had to talk about it and like I did a do- I watched a documentary on it and I remember like it was like the voice actor of Donald Duck and he was like people would just come up to him and start doing their impression of Donald Duck and he's just like no that's not <laughs> yeah he's like it's not as simple as you think it is and I'm like I can see that definitely see that it's definitely do you I mean they, they mean it well but it's definitely it's a lot harder than people think and when people are like how do I get into voiceover it's basically like they're saying how do I take your job <laughs> it's kind of like the underlying thing they don't realize they're saying but oh voiceover for games and voiceover um and voiceover for um animation sound like two different things is there one you prefer over the other so I feel like voiceover for games and voiceover animation it depends. Original animation, like, you know, stuff that's on Cartoon Network or, or Nickelodeon or whatever is, like, made here. That's more similar to, to like, video games. Uh, but then again, you know, the JRPGs, those are a little bit more like you have to match. You might not have to match the picture, but you might have to match the original Japanese timing. So if the audio file ends up being longer than the Japanese, the computer might glitch. So, like, there is still more of, like, a timing thing there. And then same for anime. You're having to match the picture. So JRPGs and anime are more technical, whereas original animation and um, original video games tend to be a little bit more like you have more freedom to play and create the character and then they animate to you. I would say I still prefer um, original animation is probably my favorite of all the voiceover mediums because, first of all, you're doing animation, so it tends to be a lot more... um, inventive like you know you're, you're getting to be like yeah and then you turn into a dragon or like it's kind of more like childlike and fun uh whereas video games tend to be a lot more cinematic and more i mean those that can be fun too but it's definitely like tends to be a lot bleaker there's always zombies for some reason lately that's like the thing um mm-hmm. and animation also the sessions tend to be more like you're moving through it more like theater so you Sometimes we'll have other actors in the like group records are so much fun, but they don't do them as much anymore because it's harder to schedule people because just there's just so many shows and people are never available for, you know, you can't get 10 people in the same room anymore. But that's always really fun when you can play off of people and you move through it in like a sequential order. Whereas with video games, it's all out of context. So I would say animation is probably my top favorite to do that's really insightful because i i had no idea the difference and how much they differ um especially when you because i always thought people would like it was video games they would like go in the booth and just kind of say their lines and they would have probably see somebody getting you know set on fire so that's really dope that they don't do it like that you really so there it shows again like how much acting really goes into voice acting there are times where um they might have like a rendering like they might have like a either a storyboarded version of that scene or they might have even um like for what was it rage 2 i worked on recently on like the female playable character and that one i guess they had already started animating certain sequences Oh, yeah. So that's another thing. So for video games, a lot of times, because it takes so long to animate and do the whole thing, they'll have like mocap actors kind of like, you know, do the physical stuff like, you know, the white balls on their on the suit. And then like they use that to like start animating. And and then sometimes they'll even have like a microphone on that actor and that actor will say the lines like they'll be performing on a soundstage like a theater. And then they'll use that kind of performance to kind of get like a general like they'll kind of animate the character and the movements but like 
then they they find like they 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 do the final fine tuned animation after you've recorded um, your lines. If it, if it is a different actor, sometimes the mocap actor also does the final voice, but sometimes it's two different people. So for, oh wow, yeah. So for that one, and then also there's like face facial capture. So sometimes the voice actor they might put like stuff on your face in the booth and have you, it depends. I haven't done that. I've never done mocap and I've never done face cap, but I know some friends who have. And my friend, Sherami, uh, Sherami Lee, she was, I think it was Gears of War or it was one of the war games, but she basically, they put her face in the game. So sometimes the facial capture is just your face movements, but they'll animate the face differently. Like you'll look different, but oh, for her. So that you can be like, you're really in the video game. Yeah, it's creepy. It's so weird to see it. Cause I'm like, that is Jeremy. She is in this 1940s World War II game. Um, so it's kind of cool, but it's also weird that they like have your likeness captured in there. Yeah, for real. Well, where can we find you? And do you have anything in the works? Yeah, uh, you can find me on Instagram at, at Amanda Celine Miller. Uh, also on Facebook as that. Uh, Twitter, my name is one letter too long for a Twitter handle. So I couldn't put Amanda Celine Miller. So I'm Amanda underscore Celine. You can find me on YouTube at Amanda Celine Miller comedy. And uh, yeah, I've got some cool stuff going on. I've like submitted something to Sundance recently. They probably won't take it, but I submitted like, um, I have a pilot I'm working on. That's like a dramedy um, that takes place at Oakland cemetery in Atlanta. And uh, there's, I have a web series called ghosts and stuff, Inc, which you can find plastered all over my social media i just did a big push for it recently because it was halloween and i've got a couple i've got a couple cool things i'm uh, i'm working on i have a animated show that i can't tell you what it is but it, it's probably the biggest thing i've done like i'm a series regular on it so that'll be when it comes out i will tell everyone but it probably won't be out till probably next fall or maybe even early 2021 because animation again takes like two years Oh, well, thank you so much for being on the show with us again. Also, I just wanted to say we manifest on this side. So your film will be picked up by Sundance because we speak it into existence. Um, (laughs) And thank you again so much for being on the show. Iman, do you have anything else you'd like to say? No, thank you. It was so amazing interviewing you and talking to you. It was really amazing um, hearing your thoughts about these iconic characters that you're playing. And thank you so much for sharing um, your story on mental health. Um, I didn't expect it to go there, but I'm glad it did because that's something a lot of people struggle with. Um, So it's always wonderful to hear um, people tell their story and something as inspiring as yours and hoping that it would help uplift anyone listening right now who feel hopeless who feel like they're not happy in the direction they're going um or they don't think they can make another day i think that you offered some very insightful information and i just want to thank you for that because not a lot of people are open about their mental health problems so I want to thank you for being so transparent well it's it's something I'm really passionate about especially having been there for you know it's like a good decade of my life was lost to it so like now that I've you know done a lot of the healing I want that I'm really passionate about trying to let people know that there is another side to it you're not stuck there forever it feels like it'll be forever but it doesn't have to be so there's hope (laughs) 